I want to share with you an exciting free event I have coming up in two days. It's called Mindset and Obesity Medicine for Sustained Weight Loss. I'm hosting this live virtual event this Wednesday on October 4th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It's geared toward women who want to understand the intersection between anti-obesity medications and cognitive behavioral counseling to create your healthiest lifestyle and best weight. I'm going to answer all your questions about the popular anti-obesity medications on the Canadian market and how they can be used as a tool in a comprehensive weight management plan. So who's this for? This is for you if you're curious about the weight loss medications and wanting more info before speaking with your doctor. This is for you if you're already on a medication, like Sixenda, but you're noticing the hunger is coming back, the emotional eating is creeping back in, and you don't know how to manage it. This is for you if you want to understand evidence-based pillars of treatment for obesity as a medical condition from an obesity doctor and expert, yours truly, so you don't have to keep Googling. The event is totally free. Again, it's on Wednesday, October 4th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. Head over to sashahighmd.com forward slash October Masterclass to register. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Welcome back to the podcast, my friends. I am excited for a new five-part series I'm launching this month called Rethinking Obesity. Every Monday for the month of October, I'm going to talk about obesity from a medical angle. We will cover what it is, how to talk to your doctor, investigations your doctor may carry out, the pillars of treatment, and what anti-obesity medications are available in Canada. Here's my goal. As always with this podcast, my goal is to educate and empower you. If you or your loved one is living with overweight or obesity, I want you to understand how to effectively manage this disease so that you can improve quality of life, physical, mental, and emotional health, as well as long-term function. This will be a great series for you to share with your family and friends. Let's change the conversation around obesity and lift the shame and stigma. Obesity is not a character flaw. It is not a lifestyle choice. It is a medical condition. Now, let's get into it. All right, let me ask you something. When I say the word obesity, do you cringe? For some people, this word has been used against them. For some, they've been called obese. Maybe they've even heard the words morbidly obese written like in medical documentation. They might have seen that. And they've experienced the sting and the shame of these words. And I want to address that up front because language matters. When I use the word obesity, I use it to describe a complex chronic medical condition that is now receiving more attention as a legitimate disease by the medical community. We no longer use the word obese or the phrase morbidly obese because those are adjectives. They're used to describe a person. Instead, we identify the disease. So we say things like, this is an individual with obesity, as opposed to this obese man. You see that? We separate the person from the condition. So now that we've gotten the language out of the way, let's talk about what obesity is. 
Obesity is defined as the abnormal accumulation of excess body fat that leads to disease or functional impairment. So it's excess body fat on your body that affects your health. Now notice that it impacts more than just physical appearance. Okay. Now this is a really important distinction to start with because there are a lot of people in the body positivity community who don't like the medicalization of obesity because what they're arguing is that we're pathologizing a body size. But this is not simply about body size. This is about when body fat goes on to affect health. So that means also if you have body fat, but you are healthy and it's not impairing your life and it's not affecting physical function, then you may not need to address that body fat. But if your body fat is affecting health, that is what we call obesity. And it's defined as a chronic disease because it lasts for more than one year, right? Anyone who's living with obesity knows this is long-term. It impairs normal body functioning. So this is what defines a chronic disease. It can be caused by genetic factors and it decreases life expectancy. So for all those reasons, it falls under what the medical community defines as a chronic disease. It also happens to be progressive, meaning it gets worse with time. And this is the kicker, it's relapsing, meaning it comes back if treatment is stopped. Now, why is it so important that we define this as a chronic disease? Well, because before we called obesity a chronic disease, it was considered only a risk factor. And obesity is a risk factor. It's a risk factor for many different diseases and health problems from heart disease to cancer, but it's not only a risk factor. And that's a really important distinction. So poor nutrition, that's a risk factor, but obesity, that's a disease. Physical inactivity, that's a risk factor, but obesity is a disease. Do you see the difference? Now, here's the thing. Risk factors, they don't get research and funding, right? Governments don't fund risk factors. They fund diseases. Risk factors don't get proper attention and treatment. And risk factors are often left up to individuals to manage instead of garnering support from the wider medical community. So what the redefinition of obesity as a disease has allowed for is proper funding into research, proper diagnosis, and proper treatment of this condition. Now, if obesity is a disease, then what causes it? Isn't it just a matter of poor lifestyle choices? No, the answer is it's not. And that has been the perception for a long time, but we now know better, and that's why we need to change the narrative. Obesity is caused by a number of different factors. So there is considered to be a strong genetic component somewhere in the range of 40 to 70% of obesity is determined by genetics and epigenetics. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, there are a lot of different genes involved. Usually this is polygenic obesity. So it's not one gene that if you have that one gene, you develop obesity. It's many different genes coming together that will either cause you to have a lot of drive for food or little drive for food. Um, there may be some differences in metabolic rate, but it is thought that the largest genetic factor is how much your brain is wired to want food and that kind of hunger um, experience that you may have. There's also your environment. So for example, how walkable your neighborhood is will affect your risk of obesity your socioeconomic status. We all know that access to nutritious food is impacted by your income and food prices that are going up as we speak. 
There are other medical conditions. So if you've been prescribed high-dose corticosteroids for an autoimmune condition, we know that steroids can increase the risk of weight gain. There are a lot of mental health medications that also will impact weight gain. Mental health itself is associated with increased risk of obesity. So we know that there's a significant overlap between ADHD, mood disorders, developmental disorders with obesity. And then psychology. So how has toxic diet culture impacted you? Were you told as an eight-year-old girl that you were too fat and you should lose weight? And if so, it's highly likely that this has impacted your view of yourself and has contributed, at least in part, to a cycle of dieting and weight gain. And so for there are all of these factors, and I haven't even mentioned like the hormonal side of things. There are the adipose tissue hormones, the hormones from your gut, also women's hormones, the effects of menopause, or if you've been on IVF treatment. So there are all these different factors that contribute to weight dysregulation. And this is why weight management can be challenging and it's a long-term process. And there's not one single bullet that treats obesity because for one person, they've had obesity since they were two years old and it happened from the womb and it was part of their genetic makeup. For another person, maybe they did not have obesity until they had a car accident to develop depression and chronic pain and were put on a number of medications. So it is going to be different for every person. And we need to kind of take all of these factors into account, right? Because otherwise a lot of people just think, well, it's just a matter of taking in too many calories, right? And not burning enough, right? Calories in, calories out, simple. In which case, if it's just calories in, calories out, isn't it just a person's choice that they are overeating and not exercising enough, right? Which comes down to lifestyle. Now, let me just say, I am a huge advocate for living our healthiest lifestyles. You know that if you've listened to any of my content, I'm all about that. I'm all about empowering people, not just with knowledge, but with the how-to. So that is important, but it's important for everyone, regardless of disease state. That's not going to be the, the only factor affecting obesity, right? I told you that obesity is the result of a lot of different things. Yes, obesity is caused by an imbalance in the energy equation, i.e. there is an imbalance of energy coming in and energy being used. But this imbalance, what we call disordered body weight regulation, doesn't come as a result of pure will or lack thereof. And that's the difference. So adiposity, which is fat on our body, is tightly regulated by hormonal processes. So that's called energy homeostasis. Your body is trying to balance that energy in to match your energy out. The main organ that's involved in this, and I've done other podcasts on this, so if you want, look back on hormones uh, that are involved, but the main organ that's regulating this whole system, trying to keep things in balance is your brain. And when we talk about the genetic variations that can come into play, we're talking about genes that affect your brain, genes that control parts of your central nervous system. So whether you have that strong drive for food or not, whether you kind of are geared towards more what we call the hyperpalatable foods or not, but we also have the obesogenic food environment that we live in. So we live in an environment where food engineers have created food-like products that hijack our brain. So there's the homeostatic balance of eating, which your body's trying to keep energy in, energy out in balance. But there's also the fact that food is very pleasurable. And so we eat for reasons outside of energy balance. We eat because it tastes good. And that is what we call the hedonic drive for food, hedonic eating. And that is more about reward and it's about pleasure and it's all, all about our emotions and the fact that we eat for a lot of other reasons. 
And then we have the gut hormones and different genetic variations in our gut hormones that are involved in appetite regulation and sending signals up to our brain. So the things that you may have heard of now, because I've talked about them before, things like ghrelin and GLP-1 and CCK and amylin, and how those are trying to communicate with our brain to keep that energy balance equation intact. But all of this can get disrupted by a number of different things in our environment, in our genetics, in medications that we've taken, in what we're exposed to, as well as lifestyle factors. That's going to play a role as well. It's just not the whole story. Now, we've talked about how we define obesity and what causes it. And because there are all these different factors, it is challenging and it's long-term in terms of how to manage it. Let's talk about how we classify obesity. So the traditional way that unfortunately continues to be used, even though we know it's inherently flawed, is to use body mass index. So body mass index is a measure of a person's weight over height, weight in kilograms over height in meters squared. And that's it. It does not take into account anything else, just your weight and your height. So overweight BMI is between 20 and 29.9. Obesity is defined as a BMI greater than 30. Class one is 30 to 34.9. Class two is anyone greater than 35. And class three is anyone greater than 40. So that's how we try to characterize the severity of obesity. But it's problematic because we know that bodybuilders or football players, people who have very high muscle mass, for example, are going to have an elevated BMI. That doesn't mean that they have excess adipose tissue. So BMI, because it's just height and weight, doesn't take into account whether it's muscle weight, whether it's water weight, whether it's fat tissue. And we also know that certain ethnicities, South Asian, for example, will have relatively normal or lower BMIs, but can have very advanced metabolic disease. And so for these reasons, BMI can't be the only thing that we look at. Now, one of the forefathers of obesity treatment who it came out of Canada, his name is Dr. Arya Sharma. He developed a different classification entirely, and it's called the Edmonton Obesity Staging System, EOSS. And this is a measure of how healthy a person is relative to their weight. And it classifies disease severity by taking into account medical, mental, and functional impacts of obesity. And in studies, the EOSS has been more directly tied to mortality risk than BMI alone. So we need to consider not just height and weight, but we need to be thinking, is that adiposity causing disease? And how severe, how, what's the extent of that disease and the impairment that the adipose tissue is causing? That's going to give us a sense of how aggressive do we need to be with treatment? Are we sending this person for bariatric surgery or are we starting with medical intervention or more of the behavioral and cognitive components? That's going to be better determined by EOSS than by BMI alone. How many people are impacted by obesity in Canada? Well, StatsCan says it's about 27% of our population, but if you also include the overweight category, that number just about doubles. And different factors like it's higher in rural areas than in urban areas. It's higher in unemployed than those who have full or part-time work. So we can see from this the environmental and socioeconomic factors that contribute to obesity. We also see variations in by province. So the highest obesity rates are seen in Newfoundland, where there are a lot of people kind of falling to that rural category. Obesity is also associated with a lot of health complications. So I mentioned earlier, it is both a disease and a risk factor. Now, some numbers, just to give you a sense of 
the obesity associations. There's a five times greater risk of major depression in people with obesity. There's a two times greater risk of high blood pressure. There's a five to eight times greater risk of developing type two diabetes. And other numbers that I saw, I believe it's about 40% or maybe 44% of type two diabetes is actually attributable to obesity. There's a two to three greater risk of joint disease, There's a 17 times greater risk of sleep apnea. There's a two to three fold increased risk of cardiovascular disease and up to seven times greater risk of certain cancers. Common ones being endometrial cancer, colorectal, pancreatic, breast, and ovarian. Not only that, but for every five point increase in BMI, there's a 40% higher mortality rate for cardiovascular disease like heart attack and stroke. So many health conditions are linked with obesity. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, if you have obesity, I am certainly not telling you this to make you feel bad. That is not at all my goal here. I believe it is important to understand what obesity is and what the risks are so that you can get the right treatment. Because listen up, the next Jenny Craig diet is not the right treatment. Please hear me. And you following some 20-year-old fitness pro online who promises that she can show you the way to her bikini body is also not the right treatment. I am going to go through what evidence-based treatment is on the fourth episode of this five-part series. So make sure you stay tuned every Monday because I'm going to help you understand. I'm going to help you get the right treatment. And if you have listened to any of my other podcasts, you already know what I teach, but I'm going to summarize it really nicely for you here. Okay. So we have obesity defined as a chronic medical condition. We talked about how common it is. We talked about how there are lots of different factors at play. And finally, what we do know also about the brain being the central controller is that your brain is designed to defend against body weight loss. So despite your best efforts to diet, you have this brain that's driving the story here. It's like the main part of the equation that is defending your body against fat loss because it doesn't like fat loss. It thinks that fat loss is starvation. So your brain is defending against body weight loss, which is why weight regain is so common, which is why we call this disease a relapsing condition. And it's progressive because we tend to continue gaining weight over time. We tend to develop more complications as a result of obesity over time. But there is a good news story. The good news story is when we understand obesity as a medical condition, then we have this right starting place to actually talk about effective treatment. Until we understand that obesity is a disease, then we look for solutions through the commercial weight loss industry. We look for solutions through online influencers, through celebrity culture, and those are just not the right places to be looking. Now, I say this with full knowledge that I am on social media and I am talking on social media and trying to be an advocate on social media, but I want to advocate from a place of understanding that obesity is a medical condition and that you can get effective treatment and help from your healthcare provider and from a whole multidisciplinary team. So obesity is not a matter of willpower. It is a real disease. And as we establish, this is our starting point. That's why this is episode one of five. We will do a much better job of managing it to improve your health, your function, your quality of life, not only for you, but for millions of Canadians and others around the world. So here is what I would like you to do. I would like you to help me in my mission to educate and empower to impact and improve the lives of people living with obesity by sharing this podcast. If you share this with five friends or post this on your social media platform, we can together reach more people to rethink obesity. So tag me when you share at Sasha High MD, 
And if you're not a sharer, then your other option is to leave me a very nice review for this podcast. You can go, you can do that through Apple Podcasts. You can do that through Spotify. It really helps me get the word out when you do. So please take action on one of those things. Share with five friends, share on your social channel, or leave me a review. And next week, we are going to talk all about how to have a conversation about weight with your doctor. Thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.